Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag. Und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. We've got another exciting, action-packed podcast for you this week. Uh, we're going to be discussing Axel Witzel finally over the line with the Borussia Dortmund. That seemed to go on for ages, didn't it? But then we move on to RB Leipzig, talking about whether their squad is, in fact, um, good enough to, to push on this year. Looking a bit threadbare, isn't it, according to some. Then we move on to Bayern. They've sold Vidal to Barcelona. What are the consequences there? Another selling club, it will be Mainz. We're going to talk about them and their transfer business this season. And then move down the leagues. As we've seen, Zwei Bundesliga return this weekend. We'll discuss how Hamburg and Cologne got on. And then, of course, we'll talk about 1860 and Liga Drag. Well... Joining me this week, as always, we've got Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, pretty good. I'm really happy that that Witzel, art, Witzel story is finally done. Um, I'm not going to lie. I had <laughs> had an article ready and waiting just to wait for the final details for, for a few days now. So I'm happy that's finally done and we can finally talk about it. So I'm excited about that. But other than that, it's been, it's been a great, nice week. Um, it's a long weekend over here in Canada, so nice and relaxing. Oh, lovely. That's good to hear. Good, good. It's it's been lovely over in the UK as well. The weather has returned with um, with uh, with scorching heat, which is nice. And I think we've just got to enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, Chris Williams is also here. Chris, are you enjoying this fantastic weather that we're receiving? Um, I'm going to say no now, Bryce. It's too hot. Um, oh, Scrooge. In yeah, in the <laughs> evening it's too hot. I don't mind it in the day. But what, as we record this, it's five to nine. It must be about, I'm going to say, 40 degrees. Don't even know what that is in Fahrenheit for our um, overseas listeners. It's going to make up a random figure, 120. That's how hot it feels. Um, and and at nighttime should be cool, daytime red hot. So I'm not a fan at the minute, Bryce. And do you know why British people don't like the weather? Because it changes. Tomorrow is supposed to be 15 degrees cooler. How's my body meant to react to that when it's 15 degrees cooler one day? I want it to be constant. If it's constantly hot, I'm all right. Anyway, that's enough wedding rant. Uh, wedding. That's because it's my anniversary today, Bryce, as well. That's enough weather ranting. <laughs> that is definitely enough weather from Chris Williams. I think, well, let's talk about the news, the football news. And, yeah, Chris, we'll, we'll stick with you. This Axel Witzel deal that Manu mentioned, um, it, it seemed to be... Well, it seems to be one of the longest transfers I remember in a while. We've, we've discussed for weeks now about this happening, but um, a, a good move for Dortmund going into the season, though, a, a bit of bite in midfield. Yes, I think um, Adamola Luckman overtakes this transfer now as, is it happening? When's it going to be released? So, yeah, it was uh, Axel Witzel, the long, when's it happening, is it happening? That's now been taken over by Leipzig, who we're going to speak about in a bit. Um, yes, I think it's good. My only fear for Borussia Dortmund is, um, is Julian Weigel about to make his way to um, Manchester City? That's my only concern now. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the main one for Dortmund. Is Weigel going to go? But I think they've... Um, this is an excellent player. I tweeted out earlier, um, Keith Koskinen was straight onto it, who's obviously one of the Fox um, guys. 
main commentators over in the States. So it's a fantastic sign-in for Borussia Dortmund. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a good one. Hopefully, we should get some sort of um, official announcement probably the day this podcast comes out. I'd expect it would be tomorrow, Man Over Due Monday. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, and um, I, whilst I'll be a little concerned if Julian Weigl does go, um, Axel Witzel making his way to Dortmund doesn't necessarily have to mean that one of them has go. They can... Um, Weigl's very good you know, defensively, but I think Witzel can play a little bit further forward so they won't be in competition. They'll just be able to complement each other. But my main concern that they brought him in now is that something else might be on the way out. And I think the loss of Weigl will be um, quite bad um, for Dortmund as the um, arrival of Witzel is quite good and hate for it to be overshadowed. Yeah, I heard that Weigl is definitely going to stay. The, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. I don't know if it's true. I mean, a lot of things can happen, right? The transfer window in England closes in four days, but uh, the main threat on this one is Paris Saint-Germain with Thomas Tuchel. He really wants to wants to bring him in. But I don't know if PSG have the sort of money. Remember, the, we're going to talk about Boateng in a moment, but that deal fell through because PSG simply don't have... They have money. I mean, they have tons of money, but they don't have enough money to, um, in terms of... Viability. Yeah, exactly. Upfront payment because of financial fair play. So they don't, they ha- don't have the cash lying around to complete a deal like that. So I think that Dortmund don't really have to worry about them. Um, City, I, I know Guardiola's a big fan, right? So I guess we have to, four days, English teams like to get done, things done over the line at the last minute. So I expect there will be a lot of transfer flurries around August 9th. But, um, from what I hear, Dortmund want to, um, build a new team around Weigel. That's what I've heard from the Lucien Fabre camp. So I guess they will try to hang on to him. Uh, I'd be really worried at the moment if I was Nuri Shaheen and Sebastian Ode because Witzel is a definite upgrade on them, isn't he, Chris? Yeah, most definitely. And, th- and that's why I think they can keep both of them, um, Weigel and obviously Witzel, and they can keep because they just signed, but they can utilize both of them in the same um, position as they want. Um, it, they can complement each other in that midfield area uh, with Weigl being slightly more defensive and Witzel looking to maybe hold the attack up a little quicker and, and the transitions. So I think they can work together. But yeah, um, Roda and, and yeah, Noi Sahina's, um, I think it would be unfair to say he's been on his way out um, for a couple of seasons. Obviously, he was a, not a wanted man by Thomas Tuchel. Um, he managed to play occasionally to a high standard last season. I'm going to say on the occasion, though, um, it feels like he's been there for absolute years, doesn't it? And we don't haven't seen the best of him for a couple of seasons now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that Nuri Shaheen, he always has struggled with fitness for some time and never really, never really showed the sort of form that he showed back in how 2010 2011 remember before he went to real madrid and then liverpool and yeah i think that. i think that's he's never looked the same player well obviously he didn't make it in madrid so he was loaned to liverpool liverpool got rid of him pretty quick so he didn't make it there he's obviously had quite a lot to put up with then um obviously he was very very upset and distressed by the events that went on against monaco the other season so um yeah he's not had a good time recently yeah and Witzel is, I'm really excited about the signing. Look, I know there's a lot of people that say, well, he's only played in, in Portugal, Russia, and China. But I followed his career quite closely because, um, right around the time when he went to China, uh, to, to Russia, that was back, seems like a long time ago, really isn't that long, back in 2012, right? It's only six years ago. He was one of those first mega transfers, a 40 million plus signing, um, euro signing. And I know nowadays you say, well, that's not a lot of money. Back then it was, especially when you went to Russia and, and Zenit signed both Witzel and Hulk that season. And they, they sort of, it was sort of two transfers that remember all the hype that we have currently about China. Back then it was all about Russia and Russian football investing tons of money and Witzel and Hulk were basically financed by Gazprom, right? And, their arrival wasn't really greeted by the, the locals either. There was a lot of problems with um, the fans, the, the the famous statement that they made. And I've, I've covered this all in a, a foosballstart.com article 
which is up um, up now, um, the fans reacted very negatively to Witzel arriving because they felt that they wanted to do work with local players instead. It was very heavily borderline racism and probably crossed the line into racism when Witzel first signed. But um, in this difficult environment, and people say Russia is not a top league, it's not, but it's a very difficult league to compete because of the weather, the conditions, the distances that you have to travel, further distances um, than in North America even. And he excelled in that league, and he actually also got Zenit uh, to be a competitive team in the Champions League. Um, and since he's left Zenit, they haven't been really the same in the Champions League either. So yes, he made the move over there, and it was difficult for him to succeed there. And then, he, of course, he went to China. Um, I mean, China is, of course, a developing country. Um, it's developing in league-wise, but it's not a European competitive league. At the same time, he was excellent at the World Cup, wasn't he, Chris? Yeah, he was part of that very good um, Belgian side that almost went the whole way, didn't they, and, and came third eventually. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he needs any time to settle. You would think not, because obviously he's Belgian, he's from Central Europe, he's going to a Central European country. Um, he should be able to get back into the swing of things, um, as in European football, pretty quickly, because as you say, he's just been to the World Cup and he had a very good World Cup. So, I would normally say you probably need a little bit of adjustment if you're coming from such a such a far away league as a Chinese Super League back into European football. But I think just having the World Cup might have played into a strength of his, and um, he will, in essence, come straight off the back of that um, holiday from the World Cup and then go straight into training with Borussia Dortmund. So, um, so yeah, had he not gone to the World Cup, I may have been a little bit worried if he could um, recapture his form quickly because I think Dortmund need players now who can play football they're no longer a team who can afford to sign um, potential stars to develop because obviously they're thirsty to get back um, as Bayern's main challenger so yeah Axel Witzel certainly ticks all them boxes to come in and hit the ground running straight away but I think the first thing we'll notice is you know um, when he's officially announced how quickly he's back in training and is he available for the first game against Leipzig at home yeah well guys let's let let, let's talk a little bit about you know whether um, this transfer um, is going to be enough, um, along with the other work uh, as well that Dortmund have done over the summer to possibly mount a challenge. I mean, do, do you think that they're they're going to return, you know, to the team that they were um, a few years ago under the likes of Klopp and maybe when Tuchel first took over? Are they going to be able to challenge uh, Bayern Munich? Because that, that's what we all want to see, right? Well, yeah, we do. Um... You can see the players that they've brought in. Uh, you can't really complain about the um, about the quality if you look at the the main signings they've done. So obviously, hits um, well, he's free, but he, he looks like he's okay. He can play the farther away ball at his feet, etc. Might take a little bit of um, getting used to. Uh, Marius Wolf is an excellent player who we all eulogised about last season. I was lucky enough to see him um, three times in total last season. Thought he was excellent. Thomas Delaney's came in from Werder Bremen. Um, Diallo's coming from Mainz. Uh, so, yeah, can they challenge Bayern? I, I would normally say no. Um, I think Bayern is still a little bit ahead, but I've just got this feeling throughout preseason that there's a few problems at Bayern, whether it's the um, management um, trio spouting um, comments on the DFB, whether it's the players like Hummels having little snidey um, goes at, at the man, new manager Kovac on Twitter about who he thinks is a good defender and who isn't a good defender. I just get the feeling that not all is right at Bayern. And if there's a side who look together um, and ready, I think they can take that challenge to Bayern. And I saw a little clip of Schalke in training the other day and they look like a team who've gelled and look like a team who are very happy to be playing together. So um, I would expect them to be up there. And I would also expect Dortmund to be up there and really taking the challenge to Bayern because after six years of winning the league, I do get a genuine feeling, we'll see how true it is in May, that there's some cracks in that club at the moment. Yeah, and I think with Dortmund, though, the, the one thing, and they've quite honest about it, they say that the, the damage done um, over the last couple seasons, I guess, they will to, to get back into that mentality that they had under Klopp and really give Favre the team that he needs to play his football. Um, Watzke said they probably need two, tra two more transfer windows to really completely give him his team. 
So that's, I think that's actually a positive statement because it shows that they have the patience to, to work with father long term, right? And say, look, we understand that in order to make this truly father's team, there's some work required. The, the one position I really, I think that, and I think we're both in agreement with that, right? Philip is a, is a great striker. Um, I think he can produce a lot of goals. He's recently said he, he can, he thinks he can score between 15 and 20 goals a season. And that's, that would be a really good rate. Um, especially if you throw in a whole bunch of goals for Marco Royce if he stays healthy and all the other attacking players that they have. But I do think that they need another striker. Um, not necessarily a Bachwai kind of type striker. I think they need a playing, playing kind of striker like they had, like Faber had at, um, Nice where he was quite successful. And of course, at Gladbach, I think they, they need another, another player like that. I think if we look at who they've got, um, who they've got shut of, as well, I think we can say that normally when Dortmund sell players, you would think, oh, how's that going to destabilise the side? Someone's come in and taken one or two or even three of the best players. If you look at who's gone this season, officially, uh, Yarmolenko's gone. He f- flattered to deceive last season. I think he had one good game. That was the game at Wembley. Um, Socrates has gone. I think his time was pretty much done at Dortmund. Um Mikel Marino's eventually gone under the loan deal, so he's formally off the books. Castro, um, yes, Schürrle, he's he's gone to Fulham. I don't think we'll see him in a um, Dortmund shirt ever again. Um, you know, and and the others that have stepped down into um, into lower um, place teams. Um, although Durham's gone to Huddersfield, it's, I, I will put Huddersfield in a in a lower bracket of English clubs. Like Paslak's gone to Norwich on a loan, so. Um, I think for the first time in a long time, the departures um, don't outweigh the arrivals. And especially when we get confirmation, a bit of official confirmation from the club, and we can say, yeah, he is um, he's an official transfer. Their, their arrivals will certainly outweigh the departures for the first time in a long while. Especially when another striker comes in, right? That'd be sort of the, the cherry yeah. on top. Yeah, it would. Um, but I think, I think, like you said the other day, or the other week, Manu, they may be able to um, cherry pick someone once the window closes in in England. Yeah. If they've got their eye on anybody, that's the time to do it. Um, and you would hope that they'll be able to persuade whichever club it is to sell a striker. And especially, and especially the way Favre plays, they they wouldn't necessarily need to have someone who would gel right away, right? Because I feel I feel that they almost don't want that one guy that scores thirty goals. It feels almost yeah. that they want to have more flexibility up front, which is, I mean, makes sense in a lot of ways. Yeah, it does. I think the days for Borussia Dortmund relying on um, Aubameyang to net 30, 31, 28 goals a season, I think they know that now that's got to be spread through. So can Philip get 15? Can Royce get 12? You know, Can some of the midfielders chip in with more goals? Um, can some of the wide players do it? That's what Schürrle was brought in for. Can he add to that goal-scoring ability? No, he couldn't, so he's been shipped out. Dortmund are trying to find different avenues from goals rather than just pinning all your hopes on one man because either he leaves, like Aubameyang did, or he gets injured, um, like Batshuayi did right at the end of the season. And guys, uh, we talk about them possibly needing a striker. Is is there any rumblings as to who may come in or any rumours going on? Or do you guys know anything that we don't? There's tons of rumours. Too many. So I don't think, I think, I think they probably have a list of names, but um, I don't think there's anything out there where you say, okay, this is going to be the one. That makes sense. I mean, today there was a rumor about a Brazilian kid that no one ever's heard of that's possibly going to, to buy, to do, to Dortmund. And there's, uh, Gamero, the guy from Atletico Madrid was apparently joining them. I mean, every day there's a new rumor. So, um, I think we can, we can leave it at that. This might be something where they're going to completely surprise us. Yeah, exciting times, eh? Well, let's move on now. We'll talk a little bit about RB Leipzig, a side that are possibly not doing enough in the transfer window. Ralph Radnick has come out today, hasn't he, Manu, and criticised the squad for being a too threadbare. Um, do you agree? Do you, do you think that they haven't invested enough? I mean, that they haven't spent a lot, have they? Yeah, but at the same time, they've made some signings and... Um strengthened the squad. I think this one in particular was 
criticism towards Dayut Upamecano and uh, Nori Mukile. Nori Mukile, of course, a new signing this summer. And uh, Rangnick said that they didn't do enough during the summer to train. Um, they, they didn't, <laughs> I quote, they ignored the training plans that they were, that they were given during the summer. And um, as a result, they now have picked up injuries. Now, um, I mean, last season we, we chatted many times when they were playing in the Champions League that their squad seemed a little thin. And, um, I think now given that they're playing in the Europa League and they have to, it's a long way for them to the Europa League group stage. They're not embarrassing themselves like Freiburg did last year, right? Um, on, on the path there. They did a really short process with, um, Hacken in, in, the, in that second qualification round. They're now playing Universitat Krajowa in the third round, but that's a lot of additional games. And the Europa League is a lot of additional games and Leipzig will not throw away the Europa League the same way than a lot of teams last year did. And I think the Bundesliga teams in general are going to take that competition a lot more serious this year than they did in the previous year. But to take that competition more serious, you need a, a bigger squad, right? And Chris, that's how many times, I mean, will sound like a broken record. Have we said last year, <laughs> they're great, but they have a squad of about 22 players, which is just not enough. Yeah, and I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't the strength um, as as much as they needed to. I know, um, obviously, they're, ha- they're having troubles with Uber Meccano, who's, who's not done his homework, which I think is a great um, thing for any manager or coach to say. Um, but Ragnick's come out and said he needs at least 18 on the roster for the Bundesliga, the Pokal and the Europa League. Um, I mean, I still don't even think that's enough. He seems to say... That you know he's got two full professional squads, but right now he doesn't even have one and a half. I'd say right now he's probably just about got one that can mount a serious challenge on either one of those three. Certainly not all. Um, and and as the man said himself, it's going to be difficult to dance at three weddings. Yeah, I love that quote. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, yeah, Chris, so you mentioned uh, Lookman. Uh, it's saying that this is being dragged out and dragged out. Um, it, uh, do we know if we're any closer to that deal being completed? Um, not at the moment. No, I mean, there's all sorts of unofficial rumblings. Like you know, we we know a couple of people um, that have got good connections at Everton who said, yeah, it's pretty much done. But I've I've not seen anything certainly from um, my contacts over at Leipzig. That, that say they've reached an agreement with Everton. Everton have been quite resolute about um, how much they want for the player because he is a good player and they are prepared to work with him. Um, so the ball is in Leipzig's court. Um, if they want to come in and, and pay the money that Everton want, then you know we've been assured that that he will get his move. However, if, if they don't go in, if they try and hardball Everton and try and get him for as cheap as they can, then you know I don't think they will. Um, get him. However, everybody loves a bit of um, a bit of drama. Um, if you go onto the Everton website at the moment, you can't get an Adam Luckman shirt from official sources um, in the away strip, but you can in the home strip. So either somebody's made a mistake, or the latest kit's not available for a player who's on the transfer list. Uh, you make your own decision on that price. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I always enjoyed it when you're on transfer deadline day. You would hear somebody works in the in the team shop, and he's he started to print up Ronaldo on the back of of Barcelona shirts or something like this. So it means it must be done. I hope it's uh, a bit of that drama closer to the time. But uh, uh, Manu, we've seen uh, RB Leipzig. Um, uh, and RB Salzburg, um, obviously, exchange players in the past. Uh, is there any possibility of, of that happening in, in the next few weeks? Yeah, I, I reckon that there is still a chance that they could sign um, Amadou Haidara, um, who they rate really highly. I, I know there's also English clubs that are interested in him, um, but I think he makes a lot of sense, and they need a midfielder. They really do. They need someone to replace Navi Keita because that's going to be a big hole left, right? And I think um, Haidara would be an excellent signing in, in that regard. But then there's also the rumors about um, Sebastian Rudy possibly heading over there, right, Chris? And I think we both agree that would be a fantastic signing as well. And another one is um, Tyler Adams. He plays in, um, in New York for the order Red Bull franchise. I guess that's a perfect term for it. 
and he's a really highly rated American player. He's 19 years old, and I mean, we've seen recently that Bundesliga teams uh, have, you know, really started to scout major league soccer for for players. And I mean, one of the biggest transfers in in North America, Bayern just signed Alfonso Davis, right? So there's a lot of Bundesliga teams um, keeping an eye on that league as it's it's growing and um, producing their own talent. So there's um, rumors that Tyler Adams might be on his way over from RB New York to RB Leipzig. Um, so I think, I reckon they will sign at least um, another two or three central midfielders because I think they that's where the, where the biggest weakness in the squad is at the moment. On top of um, Lookman, I'm, I'm still positive that that deal gets done. And, and that's one of Ragnick's main concerns at the moment. If you look at, you know, you spoke to German press, et cetera, um, that they are desperately trying to find a Naby Keita replacement because they know what they've lost and, and that hole will need plugging in the central midfield area. Yeah, stressful times over at RB Leipzig trying to get in new players. But um, I, I think you're right as well. Manu, I can only imagine they'll get a few other deals uh, over the line before the end of the uh, month. But, uh, guys, I've got to put this question to both of you. I, I mentioned, you know, do, do we see Dortmund uh, mounting a bit of a challenge on the league uh, this season? They were challenging Bayern. Uh, but how well do we see RB Leipzig getting on this season? I mean, two years ago it was fantastic, wasn't it? Last year we've seen some fantastic moments from them, but uh, it it just seemed like they were, well, dancing at too many weddings. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know Manu and I probably think the same on this. Uh, until RB Leipzig strengthen um, properly so they can fight on at least two accounts, I think maybe you can probably discount the Pokal, um, if they can challenge, unless they can make a, a decent challenge on the league and the European competition, they will fail on on both unless they prioritise one, which I don't think they're prepared to do. So if they're going to fight for the league and they're going to fight for Europa League um, half and half, then I, I can I don't think they'll make Champions League qualification this coming season. I don't think they're good enough to get fourth with the squad they've got at the moment. And I think they're probably good enough to go as far as they did last season in the Europa League, which is a quarterfinal. Yeah, I think there's work to be done, for sure. And I'm pretty sure they, they will they will put in the work. I think the, the money is there to spend. A lot of the money, for the, the cater deal isn't spent yet, right? So I think that, um, and Rangnick is a, is a very good manager and he will, he'll, they might be doing the same than a lot of Bundesliga teams. There was a, there was a very good article in Kicker actually, um, on Thursday about how a lot of Bundesliga teams are currently sort of waiting for August 9th to pass and say, Oh, look, we still have for two and a half weeks and we can just basically sign all the players that the Premier League teams need to get A rid of or B didn't sign. Um, because the, 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 Value on transfers will, will drop significantly after August 9th because all of a sudden your basic, your biggest financial competitor is out of the market, which means that play teams around the world that still need to make money will have to drop their prices. So a lot of Bundesliga teams are waiting for that to happen. And that's only four days away. So I reckon that, um, and I actually think that there will be a lot of signings in the beginning of this week and then a flurry of signings the moment the, the the Premier League window closes. There will be a flurry of signings again. So I think RB Leipzig will have to strengthen. And if they do it the right way, then they, they will compete for a Champions League spot again. Um, as for competing with Bayern, I think that the league will be very different this year, that you will see a lot of teams taking their matches against Bayern a lot more serious. So it will not just be Dortmund and Leipzig and Schalke. Um, I reckon the teams like Leverkusen and Hoffenheim and even some of the medium-sized teams, they will go to, to Bayern and look what Frankfurt have done at them, with them at the final in the car and say, look, we, this is a match that we can win. They are a team that has, is currently changing. There's a new younger coach. We're not going to go to, um, the Allianz Arena and try to lose with a small margin. We're going to go there and actually try to win. And I think as a collective effort, that will make the league a lot different and will change the league quite significantly because all of a sudden it will be a much more open competition. Um, Nagelsmann said yesterday the crowning achievement to leave Hoffenheim with would be a championship. I mean, when was the last time you had anyone say that from a, from a medium-sized club in Germany? It's, it's been forever. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's really good. And I think we talked about that a couple of seasons ago. You can't be a Hamburg. You can't be HSV and go there and just hope you don't get pumped 
8-0 and happy if you just get pumped 6-0. You need to go there and, and try and win. And when a couple of teams did that last season, they either were just pipped at the very depth, 1-0, 2-1, or, or they got a, a substantial result. Um, and I think you're quite right. I think that game um, in the Olympic Stadium, I think it shocked everybody in there just how easily... Frankfurt took Bayern apart. I mean, Manu, we were sat with the Bayern fans mm. and they were as shocked as we were. Uh, and, and that's why I just get the feeling that, I mean, we said it at the time, this was a monumental result that could signify the start of a shift um, in German football. And I've not had anything to change my mind over the summer to think that's going to be um, different. Yeah, we could have, we could be looking, we could be sitting here four months from now and say, okay, well, here you go, Bayern has, is walking the league. Or we could also be sitting there and have four or five teams Within a shout of a championship. And, and I, that's I, what we want. That's what everyone wants. That's what everyone wants. Yeah. And I think there's a good chance of it this year. I think really do because I look up and down that list. And yes, there's a lot of question marks, but you look at, you look at, for example, what Bayer Leverkusen have not lost a single star player this year, right? And they have actually added players. Um, I mean, they added that Brazilian kid that we wrote an article about, right? Chris uh, Paulinho. Um, they haven't yep. lost any of their star players and they have one more year of experience playing together. Julian Brandt is turning out to be quite a star and he's, he decided to stay there. So that will be a team challenging. I think Leipzig will get their business done. They will be challenging. We'll look, we will be looking at a very different Dortmund side this year. Hoffenheim under Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann will do everything in his power to go out in a high. So they will be challenging. Um, we look at, some of the medium-sized teams, I mean, even further down the table, like Stuttgart, for example, Gladbach will be back up there. Um, Frankfurt is doing some really interesting business. These are all teams that can take points of Bayern, and I think that in itself is going to be really, really exciting. Oh, I'm excited. I just want the league to get going, eh? But uh, let, let's talk about the uh, champions then. Uh, a big bit of uh, news this week is that Arturo Vidal has left them to join Barcelona. Uh Chris, uh, we're all a fan of uh, Videl uh, on this podcast. Uh, we like that you know, he, he could score some good goals. He had that creative spark to it, but he was very much an enforcer on the pitch, wasn't he? Somebody you didn't want to get into a fight with. Uh, and I, I feel a little bit that, you know, while Dortmund have uh, brought in a bit of an enforcer, Bayern have lost theirs. And well, what exactly does that mean for them? Well, I think you make a good point there, Bryce, because... Um I don't cover Bayern that much. Um, Manu normally will cover Bayern, as I will cover um, Schalke or Dortmund. Uh, but last season, I was lucky enough to cover them. I think it was three times, Manu, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and each of those three times, Atora Vidal was my man of the match. Yeah. Um, for those three occasions where I got to sit down and watch Bayern live and, and cover them, um, and, and write a match report about them, head and shoulders above everybody else, Atora Vidal was man of the match. I don't see anybody else who can do that because as you know, as we've got in our notes for for this for when we when we record this podcast, Taliso Gozeka, uh, um they're they're too nice. They don't have um they don't have that enforcer that they needed and when Bayern were doing well in the Champions League, it was always Vidal who was getting his foot in, standing up, doing those you know, those team fouls, cynical little challenges that he used to get used to get um, used to get destroyed for. Sometimes people would go, "Oh, he gives a cynical foul away." Yeah, but he was there to break up, to enforce it, and he could also tip in with some really important goals and assists. Um, I think that selling Vidal is a little bit of a mistake for Bayern for me. Yeah, I, I thought we were going to go pro and con on this, but I actually agree. <laughs> I think it's... Um, I understand when people say that it appears Vidal's legs are gone, right? But I know that the choice was to either sell Thiago or Vidal. Um, Thiago arrived with his legs never being healthy. And we saw... Remember the, the cup final? I mean, we, we're again, when we're talking about the cup final, they were playing with Hamas, Thiago... And, um, who was the third? It was Rudy in midfield, right? Chris? Yep. Those, yeah. Those yeah. three. And it was, it, they were too nice. Yeah, of course they were. Um, Frankfurt bullied them, you know, bullied them into yeah. a 3-1. They did. And, um, the same in the Champions League. They, yes, they all played Real Madrid and the people are saying, well, uh, but Vidal lost us the quarterfinal, um, the year before. It's like, no, that's not true. Carlos, <laughs> yeah. 
Ancelotti lost that quarterfinal because he didn't take Anna Vidal off in time, right? So that's not that's not not true either. And um, I look at the squad now. I see a lot of young, exciting talent on that Bayern squad, and I also see some players that are clearly getting on in age. Uh, I think that someone like Renato Sanchez maybe eventually can fill that hole. Um, but when I look at Thiago, I know that Thiago, that Bayern tried to sell Thiago this summer, and no one said, no one, no one bid because um, his knee is done and, and has been done for quite some time. So people are really concerned. Goretzka is a good player, but he's more of um, he's 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 more of a nice schoolboy rather than you know an enforcer. He's a great player, and I think he, the Bayern fans will have a lot of joy with him um, over the years. But I think it's not not that replacement that they needed. So I think sometimes you just need someone who bullies the opposition a bit. And I'm not sure that Vidal's, because someone wrote at me saying, well, his legs have been gone. Barcelona have one of the best medical departments in the world, and he passed his medical there with flying colors. So that doesn't indicate to me that his legs are gone. No, not at all. Um, A a bit of an odd choice. Does this mean that Potentially, I mean, we haven't really seen Bayern do too much uh, business in the summer, apart from Alfonso uh, Davies uh, from the MLS. Uh, Manu, do do we see them possibly trying to get somebody in to replace uh, Alexa Vidal, or or where do you think Bayern are trying to to strengthen at the moment? Yeah, I don't see them do any business really, unless someone leaves. And there's been talk about. Um, United proposed some kind of trade deal, right? With Boateng going to United and Anthony Marshall going the other way. And Hoeneß, he has, Hoeneß has been saying a lot of things. Not all of them I agree with, but I think with this one, I actually thought I agree with him, um, full well that they, they decided not to sign Anthony Marshall because they have all these young wingers that they're currently bringing in, right? Um, Coman is, is healthy again. Knabri is coming in. And then he said, well, we also signed Alfonso Davis for the first team coming January. So bringing in another guy in, in Marshall wouldn't, wouldn't be fair to the players in the squad at the moment. And there needs to be a balance. And I think in, in that department, um, phasing out Robin and Ribery this season and replacing them with the young players coming in, that makes a lot of sense. And you don't want to do it too drastically. You don't want to have too many players for one position. In midfield, they believe in the midfielders that they have at the moment. So I don't think they're going to do very much there. Now, I could see that if Boateng goes for a lot of money, and there has been a lot of talk, a lot of clubs apparently interested, and I guess the, we'll get our big answer August 9th, I could see them going for another defender. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Interesting. Um, Chris, uh, there's been uh, talks um, about, obviously, uh, Boateng leaving but um, and to Manchester United, but even rumours to to him signing your my club, uh, Liverpool. Any possibility of that happening? Um, I, I, I don't think so, no. I mean, these rumours go back some months. Um, I think, I mean, where are we now? August, I think. June, they first started to appear, and it all appeared because of a mistranslation um, over here in England from an article in Sport Build um, that said Boateng, um, he, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was he hadn't made a decision about future, um, and he wanted to wait till after the World Cup, um, and if he got a good offer, he'd think about it. Now, that somehow got translated um, into Jurgen Klopp um, identifies Boateng as a perfect partner from Liverpool, and I've not seen anything that gives some stern, um, some stern links back to any original article that says that the only um, the only newspaper, I call it that, appears in, in in the UK isn't you know isn't really a newspaper, um, and 
what I can say is, is probably no. My gut feeling is is that no, he won't. Now, obviously, if he signs tomorrow, um, I, I I just can't see it. Liverpool have said that all their summer business is done. Um, Boateng doesn't fit the the style of a Klopp player for me. So, uh, so I'm going to say no, Bryce. And also look at you're talking about players whose legs are gone. Boateng hasn't managed to play more than 20 Bundesliga games, I think, in the last three seasons. And that's why he doesn't fit, you know, Klopp's yeah. style. I mean, look at what he had, um, you know, not to turn into Liverpool pod, but last night Liverpool played Napoli um, and the centre-backs were up running around. Um, the wing-backs were doing high presses and this is tra after training twice that day. So I don't think Boateng fits Klopp's model at all. Yeah, and think think why Bayern are kind of desperate to sell him. It, it, it does feel a little bit like that, so... Well, we'll just have to see where he ends up, whether it's France or England or maybe somewhere else. But, um, guys, let's talk about Mainz. Um, they've sold another one of their players. He's come across uh, the water over to England to join Newcastle. This is Yoshinori Muto, who uh, played very well for Japan in the World Cup. Uh, but what type of uh, player are they signing here, Manuria? He's, he's obviously a striker, uh, been in the Bundesliga for three years, but... For anyone um, listening that may be a Newcastle fan, tell them exactly what they're getting. Yeah, they're getting um, not an all-in-all -all striker. They're getting more of um, a deep-lying forward, a bit of a mix of a playmaker and, and a striker. It's a player I really like. At the same time, I think he he and Mainz were ready to move on. And um, Mutu wanted a move to England. has been a dream for a long time. And Mainz... We're quite happy to take the English money and invest it in other players because I think what we're seeing at Mainz, and I think this is, this is actually the thing that we want to maybe focus on a little bit more, is there's, there's a really interesting shift in what, how Mainz are currently signing players and what kind of players they're signing because they were a little bit of a boring team at times to watch last year. And at times, at times, all the time. At times. Yeah, okay. That's better. <laughs> I just try to be diplomatic here, Chris, but. I think it's really fascinating when you look at the, the players that they're signing, have signed and are about to sign. It's really interesting how they have used the money that they've got. I mean, they also sold uh, Diallo to uh, Borussia Dortmund, right? Um, the uh, centre-back. And uh, Suat Serda, the, the midfielder to Schalke. And they've been getting a lot of money for these transfers. But when you look at the players, and they brought in um, John Philip Mateta. I know Horst Stewart, he, he was really excited about this particular signing, but they also brought in Pierre Kunde from uh, Atletico Madrid, Musa Niakata um, from Metz, and Philipp Mwene uh, from Kaiserslautern, and then they promoted Ridley Baku, uh, a central midfielder from their own from their own youth team, and they're currently in the process of signing Spanish left-back Aaron Caricol from Espanyol, he's 21. So some really all young players... Um, I did a scouting article on Mateta. There will be one on Pierre Kunde soon as well. It's very good signing. Yeah, Thomas Farines, who watches both the League 1 and League 2, I asked him why he watches League 2. Um, I guess it's his job as a scout. He's been over the moon over this sign. He says Mines have, have picked up a jewel right there. So I think it's really interesting how they're completely changing the entire philosophy at this club. And they're basically selling the players that are worth something but don't really seem to fit that new philosophy, right, Chris? Yeah, and I think um, Sandro Schwartz will play maybe a different style of football than, than we saw last season. Um, I mean, Mainz were, as you say, at times, I mean, they were they were, they were awful. Um, and I'm hoping they can be much improved. And I think, yeah, it, it is key with the people they've brought in. Um, especially you know with the top three players they've brought in uh, two from France and one from Spain, I think maybe we might see a different Mainz this season. Um, maybe one if we cast our minds back that played in the Europa League, which was an altogether more exciting side to play. And if I think back, I think it might be two or three years ago now. I went to see um, Mainz against Stuttgart at Mainz and, and I thought they played very very well and their style of football was a lot better so if they can get any way near back to that I, I think it would be a lot better for them because you know it's located in a nice part of Germany just outside Frankfurt by an hour um, the, the city of Mainz loves its football club if they can pack out that stadium with some really good football I think everyone will be in for a treat when they watch them and watch out for Riedle Baku 20 year old German youth international. Um, 
they 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 have been a lot of big offers this summer from English clubs that wanted to sign him, and yeah, he's he's decided to stay. Uh, he's he's one to watch. He's really one to watch. And in forty seven um, junior Bundesliga games, he's uh, has played. He's got fourteen goals and seven assists. Um, very good player. He's already played for Mainz's second team in the Regionalliga Südwest, the fourth division, and will be. Will be basically um, a centerpiece for the Mines next year. Um, so another youth talent coming through the ranks. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited to see him, and it's really exciting that Mines were able to hang on to this talent because yes, um, they were heard, heard tons of clubs um, from the United Kingdom that looked at him and wanted to bring him over. And I think, I think for him, it's probably also better to stay in Mines to to make that next step in development. I mean, right now we're seeing English players going the other way, right? to the Bundesliga to play there because they know that the style of football, A, fits the style um, that your English youth clubs want to play and B, they pretty much guarantee playing time because the Bundesliga loves playing young players. I think, go back to the original question regarding um, Mutu and I'm in full agreement with you, Manu, that I think it's, it's worked uh, wonders for Mainz that they've probably got just over half on top of what he was worth. I mean, what did he go for? Around about 11 million euros, probably worth, I'd say, just under half of that, really, um, without the Premier League, um, should we call it a tax? Yeah. Premier League premium. If Mutu had gone elsewhere inside of Germany, you're probably looking at maybe 7 million euros a push. Um, so for them to get almost 11, I think is excellent. Um, and, and have they lost anything? No, because as Manu's quite rightly said, I think the time has come for the... You know, for Mutsu, who's one of those players to to make his way, and and the paths are you know the paths are on a different setting now for both player and club, and I think they've done a fantastic deal by getting that much money for him. Yes, I'll certainly be looking to improve on last season when they finished a lowly fourteenth. But guys, uh, they survived. Uh, and now we need to talk about the teams that didn't and went down into Zwei Bundesliga, which started up this weekend once again. And the opening game seen Hamburg taking on Holsten Kiel. Holsten Kiel missed out narrowly last year on promotion um, and then lost the relegation game. Um, but Hamburg... Um, it wasn't a good start. They've uh, continued uh, with their losing by losing 3-0 in their opening match on Friday night. Chris, a disastrous start. <laughs> you shouldn't laugh, but yeah, it's a horrendous start. I saw a great um, tweet the other day. I think it was from um, Johnny Walsh, who is all over Bundesliga 2. And it went something like, Hamburg have dropped 25 places inside a year. Didn't they win their initial game at the start of last season, which put them top of the Bundesliga? They won the initial three. They won their initial three games, they are top of the Bundesliga, and now they're rock bottom, um, or they were rock bottom of um, Bundesliga 2. In fact, just looking at the rest of the scores, they are still rock bottom. So, yeah, a terrible start for them. It's only one game, isn't it? But Mm. if you counter that to um, the start that FC Kern had, um, away at Bochum, then that is really what you should have seen Hamburg do. I'll be, I'll be massively interested to see um, what happens next week at Sandhausen because if there's any sort of slip up there, we could be looking at something monumental happening again. Yeah, Spiegel headline um, today, Hamburg lose again in the, at the bottom of the league again, but will be promoted nonetheless. That was the Spiegel headline. I think, and I think, yeah, I think there's too much talent. There's too much backing for them to drop down into dry liga. Um, but I think a bad start will will give everybody um, the heebie-jeebies. Remember, Stuttgart had that same problem two years ago. They had a horrible start uh, at the at Bundesliga Two live. It can be difficult. I mean, Köln. Köln a bit more used to it. Um, this is not a slant to Köln. It's just that they have spent more time in the, in the second division than Hamburg ever. Because, I mean, this is the first time ever Hamburg had to deal with this. So Köln, I think, as a club, were more prepared of what was going to happen, right? And uh, therefore, were able to make that transition a bit easier and didn't lose. And I wrote this in the Bundesliga 2 preview on Fußballstadt.com. They didn't lose quite as many key players. And... Also players like Hector and 
Hoan saying, look, we're going to stay here and we're going to repair the damage. I think that really helped going into that second division under a much different light than it was the case in Hamburg. Although Hamburg, of course, kept some key players as well. But I think that first match in, in Bundesliga 2, you, you go in there, right? And you say, okay, well, obviously this is a, this is a division down. This can't be too difficult, right? Can it? And then you realize, well, you're basically playing a club that almost got promoted last year in Holstein Kiel. It's a derby. Uh, there's a rivalry between the two cities. Kiel and everyone in this league will want to beat Hamburg. So you can't put your foot off the gas ever. And Hamburg did that. And I think it's, it's a bit of a wake up call for them. And you're quite right, Chris. What they're going to do with that will be, of course, now decisive. Are they going to take a lesson from it? How are they going to respond with, from this result next week when they play against Sandhausen? I mean, Sandhausen is going to be a real wake up call for them. Um, this is, this is the smallest town, excluding Hoffenheim, because I think Hoffenheim are basically a Sinsheim based club, right? Excluding Hoffenheim, they're the smallest club in the two first divisions in terms of population base. There's only 14,000 people in Sandhausen. The entire village will be there to watch Hamburg. And I think that's going to be quite a wake-up call for a lot of people in that state, in, in that club. And they should have been well out of sight. I watched the first half of that game um, before I had, a, a, had some work to do. Um, and they should have been two up inside of 15 minutes. But the problem they had that rolled over from last season is they just can't score still at the moment. Or in the first game, they just couldn't score. And that's the problem they had all last season, really, at half-time. They should have been 2 nil up. Yeah, this this is it. I mean, uh, Manu, if we look at the table after this uh, first game, um, yes, uh, it's only one game, but that convincing uh, victory. They're they're doing rather well considering they lost uh, Marcus Angfang uh, to Cologne over this summer. Um, do you think they could possibly go up this year? No, I wrote this in my in my preview. Um, I think. Yes, it doesn't look great for Hamburg. And this is, uh, we all laugh, and rightly so. But I think they will go up at the end of the season. And Köln will too. I think they will both be promoted. And then that means that there really is only a, it really all the other clubs are fighting for a promotion, relegation, playoff spot. And Kiel had a big turnover in the summer. You can, you can make up for a turnover like that in one game. But over, you know, over an entire season, that becomes a lot more difficult. And uh, you will see the Bundes in Bundesliga too, teams that win the league lose a lot more games than it is the case in the first division or any really division in any league in Europe because it's a very balanced league. And I think Stuttgart lost ten games in the year that they were down and, and still won the ta still won the league, right? For around sixty four points, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that's just the reality of. Even if you are a top club in that second division, you're still dropping points. You're still going to lose games. And I remember Fortuna Düsseldorf, for example, they went through a slump when I was at them in November and then they won the league in the end last year, right? So this is just, this is just the life in the second division. It's, and that's why a lot of people love, watch it. And so someone like Johnny Walsh has a podcast on it now and, um, has made a living out of reporting from the league because it's exciting. You don't know what result you're going to get week in and week out. But in the the bottom line for me is still is that Hamburg and Köln are going to win this win this competition. I I, I was I'm with Chris. I think that Köln are going to win it, and Hamburg will probably come in second. Yeah, that, I think you you probably not get great odds on on those two if you were a betting man, would you? I think it's a bit of sensible betting there, if anything. But uh, let's talk about uh, Liga Dry um, and eighteen sixty. Uh, do you think they'll get promotion this year after a, a whopping victory of the weekend? No, they will not. Um, I think, and this is this is the reason really why I put Liga Dry down there is because it is maybe like Bundesliga 2, just a really fun league to watch at the moment. And the the clubs that you have in the competition, and we alluded to that on before we before the season started, right? Um, there's a lot of history and tradition in this competition at the moment. And only three um, of the clubs in the league, and that's uh, Energy Cottbus, newly promoted Energy Cottbus, by the way, Osnabrück and Karlsruhe actually managed to win their first two games. The remaining 17 teams 
either lost one or drew one of the first two games. And it's, it makes, makes some really nice reading in, on the table. But yeah, there's, there's a very even competition. And like Bundesliga 2, I think there will be lots of ups and downs between the different clubs. And I think the other thing, and if you, if you don't know this competition well, and you listen to this for the first time, you're like, Liga 3, third, third division in German football. The great thing about this competition is the stadiums. There's some really, really cool stadiums to visit. I mean, the Grünwalder Stadion, I think, should be number one on everyone's bucket list. But then there's, there's Kaiserslautern's home ground as well. Cottbus have a, have a fantastic stadium. Karlsruhe Jena have, um, the only still, the only stadium in Germany that still has a wooden stand. So that's a fantastic one on the bucket list too. Rostock is a great place to go watch football at. All these places have a lot of history. Preußen Münster, a founding member of the Bundesliga and are now playing in the third division. And Chris, when you, when, when we did the logo for the, uh, Fußballstadt preview, you said, who's the team with the, with the Albanian Eagle, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Preußen Münster. It's one of the most traditional clubs in German football. And Karlsruhe, that's another stadium that people should go. Fantastic atmosphere there. So I think really what, what I want to highlight, and I'm, when I'm going back, um, I will be back in September and I will be doing some games. And one of the games that I'm really looking forward to, and we'll, we'll do a little bit of a preview when it happens, is Unterhaching against 1860, because that's, that's the other Munich derby. And that's going, that's one of those matches that have a lot of history because they used to face each other in the Bundesliga as well. So it's just a really interesting league like that. So if you, if you look into getting into German football, you bit disillusioned with the Bundesliga. Both the second and third division offer some really good alternatives. I've just looked up that badge and yeah, Chris was right with his comment, wasn't he? But, and I've been looking up while you've been talking about all these different stadiums and yeah, you've done a good, a pretty good job at advertising the league and getting people to, to hopefully go and watch a few games. A lot of classic sides in there. Uh, guys, I think that more or less does it for this week um, as we edge closer and closer to the Bundesliga starting and, and the Super Cup coming up. Uh, Chris, what have you got going on uh, this week? Is there anything you'd like to you know, point people in the direction of? Well, it's um, unbelievably still, um, or unbelievably now, I should say, even though we're still in pre-season mode, um, for the main clubs, you know, the Super Cup hasn't been played yet. The Community Shield has only just been played in England today. The Champions League and Europa League um, are on their third round games. So um, I've got a, uh, I'm covering Celtic. So if there's any Scottish football fans listening, I'm covering Celtic's Champions League game. Um, and I'm also covering Leipzig's game. Um, so I'll be doing the previews for those. And you can find those both on um, Footballstat and Footballgrad. Dot com and also we're pushing out our new um, preview image branding that is in line with the rest of you wafers so if you like it or dislike it or you've got any um, any opinions on it just let us know on Twitter very good um, always plenty going on with you Chris and uh, Manu you're always the same we, we talked this time last week about how you might potentially have the week off I know that that didn't happen. Yeah, there's there's always something going on, isn't there? Um, so yeah, Chris pointed out we have a lot of the post-Soviet teams that we cover on football footballgrad.com. They have Champions League qualifiers this this week, and then of course Europa League qualifiers. So um, Chris, myself, Andrew Flynn, and Thomas Farines, we're covering all those games. Um, they will be on footballgrad.com, fußballstadt.com. Really excited about the new images that Chris has produced. They, they look absolutely stunning. Um, the first preview is already up on, on footballgrad.com. So you can see it there. And I think Chris also pushed out a tweet. So, um, they look, they look really great. Um, really excited to, to cover the upcoming season. And then, of course, um, rea- reactionary to transfers. Uh, Axel Witzel profile is up. Um, we're going to be reactionary to any deals. That are going to be done, introduced the new signings in the Bundesliga, the Russian Premier League, and the Ukrainian Premier League, and all the other leagues that we that we do, and um, the occasional profile. Yeah, so we're going to stay busy until the season finally come, kicks off, Bryce. No, oh, I think that was never in doubt, was it? Um, guys, thanks a lot for tuning in. We always appreciate it. Um, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, uh, you can find any of us on Twitter. Uh, please um, interact. Um, got any questions or anything, we, we will definitely do our best to answer. Um, if you are a little bit um, 
short on football um, articles, then you can head over to uh, Football Grad Network um, at Football Grad, uh, which is, uh, or at Football Grad Live, sorry. Um, there's always plenty on there, as Mandy just mentioned. Um, you can find me, Bryce Dunn, on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11. And until the next week, well, we're actually going to have a game to report, I suppose, on uh, on the top flights. Um, I'll beat us in. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.